It's another one. <laughs> oh, God, it's happening again. Yes. Today uh, we've got special guests, Dustin Monorith and Carl Wittery. I know I can see them right there. Look at that. <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome to the rabbit hole. So, thanks for having us. Yeah. So, so Nick um, uh, contacted me last week and said, I want to talk about cameras, lenses, and cinematography. I said, I know the two guys. He said, let's get Dustin. I said, let's get Carl. And now this is where we are. Mick, uh, embarrass them. <laughs> okay. First of all, ground rules. Neither <laughs> one of you gets to nerd out. Got it? Already breaking I mean, it. If you start, if you start microwing, I swear to God, I'm going to reach through and I will punch you. Okay. Got okay. it. What one, one, one mention, one mention of color temperatures. You're out. Okay. So. <laughs> So this is, by the way, this is your final statement as D, as DPs. This is your final statement of beauty is 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 your camera work in in these two cases. That's a little rough. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm just saying. I yeah. I didn't set up my cinema camera streaming package yet. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't figure out the color temperature. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Ah, oh God. So, um, so uh, let's see what. It, so let's talk about uh, some of the things that you guys have done so far. And uh, beans is I don't know uh, anything about Carl's stuff. Uh, we'll hear we'll hear from him first. How about that? Cool. Thanks for asking. Yeah. So uh, I shoot a lot of music videos. Um, that's kind of my main bread and butter. So I shoot. I don't know, over 100 music videos. We probably do like 40 a year or something. So a lot of times every weekend we shoot and then edit during the week and then next weekend go out and rinse and repeat. Uh, shot a, a nuclear power plant in Satsop, Washington. That one's pretty freaking cool. Um, but uh, Jason Rising, um, he started like three years ago. Um, one of the main people on the team along with James. Uh, he's super awesome. And then my friend Freddie, we shoot music videos together. So he and I are doing a lot of the camera uh, lighting and then depending what we're doing one of us will trade off and be the main person on the other but um <clears throat> cinematography i love a kind of frantic style for music videos so a lot of really intense camera mo uh, motion and movement but on jason rising you know we're going for a lot more cinematic feel so it's a lot more controlled uh you know if there's chase scenes and the camera might be a little bit more uh it'll show more movement and it won't be as smooth so been right. to, uh, it's been fun trying to go back and forth between music videos and then Jason Rising, where it's like, all right, this is controlled. We're trying to think it out. Like, all right, this place is nuts. We're trying to build tension here. So it's just a really slow creep in uh, or, you know, some of the faux POV fake out shots or maybe they're a real POV shot. It's been a blast. Gotcha. Gotcha. So uh, um, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I just uh, I had. 60-year-old brain, 63-year-old brain just went. Um, <laughs> Dustin, there we your go. turn. Yeah. There we go. Okay, so um, my background, so I'm, I've come into the DP realm a little uh, not too long ago. I actually started in post-production, doing a lot of visual effects work and doing all that sort of stuff and doing a lot of um, DIT work. So then I naturally, you know, moved over and have been doing a lot of, um, 
you know, cinematography work recently, mostly independent film and um, like commercial work and stuff. So, uh, a friend of mine, Jock Haken, uh, who, who you guys might have heard of, uh, he did uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, the original. Uh, he is he has always maintained that uh, that being a deep that what he was doing was trying to tell a story. And, uh, and I can see that, especially as being a DP, that telling the, telling the story aspect. And he, he, he was telling me that, uh, that the role of the DP has been uh, summarily, uh, anybody can do it now. <laughs> because he was a DP back in the time where you had to actually know something about being a DP <laughs> because you didn't get your, you had film stocks to deal with and, and uh, uh, all the rest of this. And, and it wasn't developed right there. Uh, it, in other words, nowadays you actually see it as being a DP. You can actually see it. And as long as you can actually remember what it looked like on the last, on the last shot, <laughs> you should be able to do this shot. <laughs> I'd like to hear your reaction to that. Well, that's kind of what like DITs have kind of become is like the development stage on set. So right, yeah, and that's kind of been my experience. I've I've had a lot of DIT um, experience in the past. So yeah, yeah. Word, so Carl, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm part of a group called Shane's Inner Circle, and it's a paid Facebook group. And like he has a website where there's a lot of courses, and they a lot of the people that are part of that came from that film world. And um, it, it's just really interesting because the guys that are really good, their work is noticeably better than the people who just got a camera and started playing with it. And, right. um, you know, there, so you can spot the difference. And I think, you know, on one hand, yes, everybody can buy a camera. Like the cameras we're using on Jason Rising are the Blackmagic Pocket 4Ks, and they're only like uh, 1300 bucks. So the barrier of entry is pretty low. Um, but you also get a lot of shit work because of that. And the, so the, that quality level, you kind of get flooded out. So promoting and the same thing's happening in music too. It's so easy to produce stuff that there's just so much, there's a glut of content. So the hardest thing you can do is try to get eyeballs on your work. Um, but again, you know, I think if you know what you're doing and you study the craft, your work does float higher than everybody else. Yeah. yeah I have noticed, I, I have noticed that the, the, the level of DP work overall seems to have risen quite a bit. Um, and it was diff it was more difficult back in the day because the 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 process of of matching films and yeah. film stock and 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 the fact that it wasn't developed it, it wasn't right in front of you uh, actually made a huge difference. I there is one point that I would have to agree with him on to a certain extent is that the ability very much like in music these days, the ability to make yourself stand out and, and, and have a style is, uh, is, is actually uh, harder these days because it is a little bit, it's, it's how you tell a story. And uh, so have either one of you noticed what your, what your style is? Dustin? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've always felt like my style is kind of, so, okay, so the way that I like to think about it, whenever I, whenever I approach a project or something, um, 
as a DP, I like to think of this, the camera as another actor in the story. So um, you're basically the eyes of the audience that are interacting in the scene with all the other actors. And so anything that, anything that happens in the scene is motivated by, as the audience, how do you want them to experience kind of the, you know, what's at play. And I think I, I've developed kind of a, you know, some sensibilities about it based from that perspective. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I like to deal in like, you know, I like a lot of color, a lot of the stuff I do. So, um, I like to mix in different, you know, types of tones and stuff. How, how do you feel about, uh, let's just say elimination of a color. Have you ever used that to, uh, to, or, 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 or held a particular color to uh, create a given style within a film? Um, yeah, like, like you've talked about, like certain, like, um, I think that's a powerful tactic to do that. Um, I mean, it, I've, I've done some stuff like, so yeah, you draw a focus to certain colors, like red or you, you know, lose or right. something in a scene to right. draw the attention of the audience. And it really, it really depends on what the script calls for. So, well, yeah, I, I, but I, I mean, I've played with stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Scorsese is a big fan of using red before somebody dies, for instance. Right. Um, yeah. So it kind of, I think it kind of depends. And then you have a lot of color theory. So you can do it. You were talking about holding back color. So you can like, is you want this shot to be monochromatic. So like the fight sequence and kill bill with the crazy 88s and it's the blue background and silver. Right. Yeah. That's right. pretty crazy. And that's, that's so when it's done well, it's just so amazing. Um, and, and like the, like the yellow that's in her, uh, her outfit. Yeah. Uh, carrying on through and, and, and letting that, uh, and I'm talking from a production design point of view and costuming point of view, uh, letting that color then be the streak, yeah. you know, it, it, as it goes through this, as it goes through the set, they, all of these devices that we use are, are, are just, you know, storytelling devices. Yeah. Um, you talked about the production design. I feel like that's half of the battle is making sure that, you know, the locations look good. People's costumes look good. I mean, if you nail it, you can go for the Wes Anderson look or you can go for the Kill Bill where you're Uma Therma and you pop on every goddamn screen you're on because you have that bright ass <laughs> yellow outfit. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, exactly. It, it all adds well, up. Yeah. That's a, as a production designer, there are so many different techniques and different uh, different uh, modes. And, and 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 a lot of times. Do you do you go into a, a show with a uh, like as a production designer? I would always lay out maybe a three or four page uh, uh, document that uh, explained what I was doing as a production designer, so that I could drag everybody along with me, kicking and screaming, um, which was often the case. I might add. Um, yeah, nobody wants to slow down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Production designers can just be evil. <laughs> like, no. No. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's funny because uh, I, I always said that uh, I, I had to be particularly evil at my work because uh, I wasn't the one that was actually there uh, pushing the button. You were. I just had to make sure that you pushed the button the way I wanted you to. <laughs> yeah. 
But it, that's all good because it's like every, you know, good product is a result of a thousand good decisions. And there's probably very light, rarely one or two that are just like make or break. It's just a lot of small, good pieces put together. Right. So, you know, you look at a movie and like you wonder why it feels cheap. And it's like, oh, their production sucked. Like it was basically a flat wall. They didn't do any texturing, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Small things yeah. like that make a big difference. You know, an extra two days there could have made the movie feel like 10 times bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, absolutely. And, and actually worrying about worrying about how all these little decisions fit into your whole fit into the whole uh, is is always interesting now. Uh, and it's, it's critical in the story. Now, how do you guys feel about you are both the, the heads of departments when you're being a DP? And uh, how do you uh, how do you feel? I, to me, the difference between a camera operator and a DP is that the DP is actually running his department, is actually the head of the department. And 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 just out of curiosity, especially for you, Carl, how, how big of a crew do you normally uh, use in your rock videos? Yeah, great question. So for the music videos, the crews are typically, typically pretty small because there's not a whole lot of budget for at the level that um, we're at. And what we found is if you go up on price you can hire a bigger crew but then your clients shrink drastically uh especially where we're at we're up in portland so if we we're in la i think it'd be a little different but um i want to say the crews are typically two three people so we're used to doing hands-on stuff all the time we do the production design ahead of time figure out how we want to light stuff scout the locations and then the day of it's like you know two three people running around typically two cameras uh, so you run a lot of hats and then when you hit jason rising you know we might have a crew of like uh eight Two, two camera people, AC, and then a bunch of PAs and uh, grip people. And so you can end up with like, you know, a six person team. And that was actually the biggest challenge going from a lot of the music videos to shooting Jason Rising was just the big crew. And you have to learn how to communicate with everybody. So I'd say the first two weekends were kind of rough. And then after that, we settled into a really good groove. And the nice thing is our, our um, crew is like super talented. So we had people who had DP that were running like assistant directing and it just really helped everything kind of find that like North star and just like move and work seamlessly together. Dustin, same question. How about for vengeance? Yeah. For vengeance. Yeah. We were done with basically <laughs> we had two units and a bunch of cameras. So it was, it was kind of, we would split off and we basically have, you know, um, we had an off and AC and then maybe like a gaffer or grip um, kind of branch off into these and, two units. And it was often a guest. It was often uh, the 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 guest uh, guest grip or the uh, what, yeah. I would have, what I would have to say would be uh, uh, guest grip syndrome. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, we had a budget, but it's still low budget for what we stretched it into. So there was a lot of like volunteer type stuff. So you'd get a new, you get a new person and you had to relay what we did the last day to the new people coming on set. I, 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 I think I, I honestly have to say that vengeance is, is the honest, is the only show that I ever worked on that I actually heard this. Yes, yes, yes. But the light is facing the wrong direction. <laughs> So that's that's the kind of yeah uh, it's it's yeah. it's very it seems like it is harder these days to have a, a continuous uh, a con continuous crew. 
So one of the things we found that was kind of key was uh, we had cycled through a couple people that we had somebody had a health issue and they had to drop off the project. And uh, that person was pretty amazing. And what we found was our behind the scenes photographer, because he's a photographer and he's really good, he got lighting. So when we hit late at night and we had so many night shoots, uh, he was actually kind of our one of our best assets because he just got stuff. So it was really nice to be able to be like, all right, Milton, can you help out? Because we're down to like, you know, the crew starts big. And then as you start going to like six o'clock in the morning, people hit their limits and they have to go because they work or whatever it was. And then it's like, you know, four people. And one of them is the behind the scenes photographer just crushing it nonstop. And then after a while, we're like, maybe we should just have <laughs> this role because you don't have to explain anything. Like, here's the yeah. shot before you want. Right. Yeah. And no. Like 90% there. And you're like, all right, now we just tweak levels within the camera and you're good. Well, we had a, our um, script supervisor had some focus pulling experience. So like one of our ACs had a, you know, wasn't there one of the days for some of the hours because he couldn't be there. And so we ended up having our script soup pull for some of the scenes for yeah. like the gimbal work and stuff so it worked it's out kind of but the fun part of the project isn't it i mean it's complete chaos but you make it through i yeah. i i have to say that on vengeance it there's there was absolutely uh it, it didn't seem we did not seem to deserve the incredible <laughs> moments that we would get i mean it would be such a complete shit fight and i'm not getting i'm talking it would be raining. It would be night. It would be raining. Half the lights wouldn't be working. The cables kept going down on the cameras. Um, like literally the guy who was playing Jason was also the prop master and he kept losing the props. Um, and, and this, you would be, and I would be trying to fake, you know, first AD this. And it's, it's like, there would be just 20 minutes of sheer chaos and you were like in i'm two hours away from filming right and then all of a sudden it would all snap together <laughs> it would stop raining it would it would snap together everything would miraculously dry out <laughs> i don't know where we would and we would get these incredible shots and uh and we would shoot like just amazing stuff for like 15 minutes 20 minutes and then it all fall apart again <laughs> It kept going. But the thing is, is I've been together with professional groups that, you know, had been doing, you know, departmental stuff for years and years and years that would be, you know, uh, utterly everybody, you know, would be at the peak of, of their, you know, department and stuff like that. You know, you'd like 30 to 60 members uh, and uh, they would all come together to create um, just passable stuff, yep. you know, <laughs> shot after shot after boring shot. <laughs> it's, I don't understand how we were doing that. <laughs> I, I, I don't like to attribute my better, uh, my better successes to magic. <laughs> <laughs> it's skill then, you know, it's, you're, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> There, there were some scenes too where it was weird. We were like second unit's key light would be our fill in certain scenes. So yeah. we were using the same. <laughs> we filmed it right so many lights. So yeah. we had to figure out strategies to do stuff. So it's like, I don't know how this worked, but it never works. Oh. Now, Carl, uh, 
I, I want to call you out on something. You started talking about a film that you were working on. You never even mentioned the name of the film. Oh, Jason Rising. Jason Rising. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, give me your best. Beans, this is, this is a podcast. Uh, give, give me your best behind the scenes story of Jason Rising. Oh, best. Um, I would say one of my favorite scenes is um, the day that we did an interior cabin scene. It's one of the main scenes in the trailer. We, James and I went to Home Depot the day before on a Friday and we got a bunch of stuff, but traffic is horrible. And we ended up getting stuck. Like Portland traffic's been getting worse and worse before the pandemic. And what should have taken four hours took 12. So we we're just so far behind. We got there early that day, the, the Saturday, and started painting everything. The sun was out, which is brutal. But next thing you know, it made the paint dry super quick. So we managed to scrounge everything together to get this cabin scene uh, set up and done. And while I was, go so we finished painting, we nailed, we're nailing stuff up. People started showing up and James is like, all right, I'm going to hit art. And then I'm like, okay, I'm on camera. So then I was setting up lights and cameras and then the crew started piling in. So then they're helping set up lights and cameras. We started getting everything set up and then you turn the camera on for the first time you look at it. And you're like, oh shit, we got it. Like, this is it. This is so cool. And it was so neat to see everything come together. And then the, one of the other moments that's my favorite was the following weekend, we had our first scene where uh, Jason was on on the in the movie i guess and there's a shot where uh like do i spoil it or not he has something on his head and he pulls it off and it's just and the way he steps out from this tree and the way he does that motion is just so fucking epic i'm filming it and i got chills and i almost wrecked a take because i was just like oh shit i can't believe i just saw that and you know i've done enough filming over my life where you don't always get those chills on those moments but when you do you're like shit we got gold like don't screw up the rest of the take. This is it. This is it. This is it. <laughs> kind of magical. Yeah. Yeah. Trust me. I've, uh, I've had those times before. Yeah. I had a, uh, um, I came up with a concept on Mortal Kombat for the Scorpion set. And they, they had had a, 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 a fight. Well, uh, anyway, it, it's a long story. Um, uh, but it was one of those moments where you you see the uh, all the bears up in the scorpion fight and they're doing the tricks and it was all the cobwebs and and the uh, bamboo and stuff and that was all my concept even the concept of the uh, scene itself was rewritten by me and uh, that was one of those holy crap moments when you're sitting there and you're watching the trip or the trip line go so that the one pole takes all the other uh bamboo down with it as it falls nice. and it was like wow that was cool <laughs> that's pretty awesome yeah it's when those things come together it's uh i don't know it's pretty amazing yeah yeah it's a, a lot of work um dustin yeah uh, so the do you like the, what do you think of the electronic cameras? Uh, what are some of the best and, and uh, are they dependable? Because electronic. I, yeah, like, the, well, I, I tell you why. And, and 
the reason that I'm bringing this up is that it seemed like one of the worst problems that we that we had overall in shooting a vengeance and that I have seen in general uh, has been uh, trying to keep these incredibly complicated digital cameras operating. Uh, what do you think of, about that? Uh, and do you think that they're getting better and more uh, to, to me, just the, the just looking at a, a complete camera uh, going down the road these days, you know, with all the cables and all the little uh, all the little devices on the sides and stuff. And I think to myself, wow, dependability would be a problem. And then it actually turns out to be an incredible problem. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think that's why a lot of productions will have at least like two cameras rented out and stuff, just in case one goes down during a production. It's, it's just, you know, they're, they're so cheap anymore though, that you just get a bunch of them. And then if one goes down, like, I think we had like five cameras on set, like for vengeance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just people bringing their personal cameras. Cause we had issues with a camera going down. So we ended up going with the B and then the B worked out fine. So, but it was like a pocket. Um, we were using uh, an Airy for some of the A unit stuff. So the Airy Mini, the Alexa Mini. And then um, my second unit guy had an Alexa Classic. Yeah. That he's using. So we ended up swapping the Mini for the, uh, for my bread and then um, using those two cameras. Nice. the main units and then we use like the black magic cameras are awesome too we had the pocket for some rig stuff like the arrow or the spear thing that nick rigged up so cool. uh those are our main cameras because we were trying to budget wise we were trying to keep the cost down and uh they just came out with the pocket 4k so i bought one um and then we rented a second one for a while and then i ended up buying a second because we just kept shooting and kept using them. Uh, but the cost, you know, if you look at the cost and the quality and to be able to shoot like the raw piece and just do whatever you want on post with it, um, it helped keep our cost down like crazy, which is yeah. super helpful. Did you find them, did, did you now, do you find uh, dependability uh, an issue on set? No, the cameras work flawlessly, which is pretty good. The one the one struggle was um, the, we have a pretty nasty hill that we have to go up and down a lot uh, when we're shooting at one of the locations and uh it was hard to find level territory and when the ronins we have i have two ronins there's a ronin m and a ronin s and they're the electronic gimbals and uh we what we found on some of the running scenes was things just kept getting wiggled loose for some reason i've never had that problem before but they just kept getting off and things kept drifting so there was one night where i almost threw my camera on the ground because i was so pissed off where I just i just kept losing it and i was just like are you kidding me like how is this happening so that was the worst struggle. Now, now I want to talk about lenses. <clears throat> the lenses uh, that I was used to, to dealing with, and it, it hardly ever came up as being an, an issue in the 80s and 90s. Uh, we, we never went back and tried to get that 60s glass. <laughs> but this is something that I definitely heard about, and I can definitely see the difference now in 80s glass the 80s lenses compared to the modern lenses um 
how do you go about picking the lens that you're going to give for an, uh, a, a given application? Carl? Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So we, when we did the, when I, when we first started up production, we were trying to figure out testing and we weren't sure how much money we we're going to raise. So we checked out um, like a couple of Rokinons. I own those. There's some Laowa lenses that allow you to do some really cool macro stuff and they're super wide. Uh, I also rented a couple more expensive lenses. So we, yeah, wide. Um, we, I, so I rented a bunch of stuff, kind of played with everything. And then we were trying to figure out budget wise, like what's, if we had it, we had a pretty ambitious schedule. So we decided to dial it back on cost on lenses. So we, when we did the first trailer, we'd used, um, uh, anamorphic lenses and they were two X and it was kind of hard to use with two cameras. Okay. So, oh, hold on. I, I, I hate to interrupt, but uh, for a moron listening out there, you're talking about brands, but I'm talking about why why you pick these, why you would want a better lens. Why are are you looking for depth of field? Are you yeah. looking for clarity at a certain point and not another? Great, great. Yeah, thank you for putting that back on track. Uh, so we're shooting because we're shooting with Black Magics, and there the lens mount is a certain lens mount. You don't have some of that same depth of field that you would get on like a full frame camera. Right. So they, there's still some, but it's not quite as like buttery or uh, there's a difference. And I could show you an A and B at some point, but there and I'm sure you've seen it. But so anyway, we, we're kind of limited a little bit by the camera choice. But when we went for lenses, uh, I rented a bunch of stuff, tested to see what would look good with our costume, what looked good at night. And we ended up going with uh, Rokinon and Zines with Laowa lens because the bokeh on it was really smooth. And I loved it when we had Jason in frame and we'd have uh, the trees lit up. Sometimes the leaves would bokeh out really nice. Um, and we ended up kind of going for... They have a very malleable shape, so they don't have a lot of distinctive personality compared to some lenses. Some lenses are very contrasty, uh, and we went for kind of flat, and that way we can shape a lot of it in post. Right. Now, yeah. are, are, are you looking for backgrounds that are out of focus? No, it de I all depend. It all goes. This goes back to earlier. Uh, it depends on the story. So, if you wanted somebody to feel isolated, that's when you might have the background super right. blurry and the person, you know, super sharp. Um, so we we don't have that many shots that are like that a lot of them um i would say everything matches pretty well oh, the T looks like tj there you go hey oh, here. <laughs> yeah so that's uh that was from some of the test footage um early on in the project uh really cool um but we we tried to make sure you could see some of the scenery oregon and washington where we were shooting is very beautiful uh but we tried to motivate everything by where we're at in the story so there are right. some shots where you know it's just the person background super blurry um we but typically like we didn't do we weren't going for a pretty shot to get a pretty shot we were trying to make sure everything's motivated by the story okay gotcha yeah. Long way to do that. <laughs> um yeah it's it's so we we ran in the same thing where we we originally rented certain lenses um so we we rented anamorphic 2x lenses to now, now, for, now, now, part of the film let, let me let me just step in here and ask you now anamorphic what does anamorphic mean overall um so it it shoots in a way where you have to stretch out the image right so there's a more there's a more organic feel to the distortion sort of uh, the 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 strongest uh anamorphic uh film 
films would be something that somebody would recognize would be the early Clint Eastwood Italian uh, uh, spaghetti cinema, spaghetti westerns, right? Mm, yeah. That's where you got that true stretched out. Film. Yeah. So that was a really exaggerated anamorphic uh, uh, effect. And and all the, the lenses you're talking about have a, a, a shorter range of that, but correct? Well, actually, two X's, the wide two X's. Yeah, you, you depends on which sensor you shoot on. Because with the with the red, if you shoot it, it's almost you know it's like really wide. Right. Um, right, but it's the distortion right. I'm talking about because the distortion yeah. is, is what you're looking for. Yeah, the distortion is mostly what you're looking for with the anamorphic. At least that's right. what I'm looking for is right. distortion and the um, how you that you get. Have you not said lens lens? <laughs> yeah, lens flares are yeah. The well, lens flares are awesome, but I like the my first my eye goes to the distortion first. So yeah. you know what you know what the difference is between a a, a lens flare and a highlight. Ten thousand dollars a week. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, your DPs, your freaking DPs. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, we we had to end up uh, faking the anamorphic later with the Helios. They're like the um, they're modified Russian lenses, so you right. get all the all the um, bokeh and stuff. And then we match the softness and everything in post. So right, right. So and and just just to clarify, the Russian lenses. It's a lower quality. It's it's more of a hand ground glass, right? So so it doesn't have the computer precision, and it doesn't it doesn't it, it isn't put together in such a way that everything is absolutely crisp and absolutely clear, right? Yeah. There, well, there's some yeah something about physicality lens. I mean, like the Russian lenses are like this big, whereas the Atlas is like you know these giant yeah market glasses. <laughs> But Are you guys um, the Helios 44.2s or the 44.4s? Um, they were the 44. I forget what the which ones. Were they the ones we we used a, we used a couple different sets based on the yeah. 44. Okay, yeah. it's I have a couple of those. They're they're beautiful lenses. Do yeah, you guys there's like the oval mod to them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just yeah, not the true anamorphic, so yeah, you have to kind of fake it. Yep. Okay. Lens, so. Now, here's another question. I I think that you're gonna both jump on this like crazy okay where are we going in the next 15 years i mean the technology has been moving so fast uh, the mandalorian. is what the mandalorian the, Ma the mandalorian <laughs> That's the well piece. yeah the mandalorian is a great example because the mandalorian is now doing all their backgrounds uh, as as a as a LED, essentially LED screens, right? Yeah, I think that's the best case yeah. scenario because the other version you have Quibi, which like fuck it, dude, I hate it. Can, <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. I think one, the name is so stupid, and two, like a 10 minute bite size. Like if videos don't end up just cell phone vertical videos, I will be happy because that's where you see a lot of things going with like TikTok and stuff, and it oh, I just don't like it. I do not like yeah. it. And I don't want to be a hater on things, but it's just. That's what's going viral, you know? Well, what's, oh, yeah. So, what is the next 15 years? It's, I think it's that Mandalorian stuff. Um, Unreal's been doing a ton of 
stuff with their technology and stuff doing real-time ray tracing and i mean mandalorian is a great example of all that stuff i watched some like demo they did like four years ago where they were doing the same thing in um autodesk flame and they were trying it with all the star wars assets and then they eventually moved to that and everything's like unreal's been buying into all these companies they invested in blender they invested in you know what is that um you know you they do landmass scans and stuff. So you have a bunch of assets that are free to everybody. So you can build a virtual environment for nothing now. So, so in, in, on a stage, right? Yeah, you're, ta- stage. you're talking about stage technology, right? Yeah. So this stage is, these are, these are back screens. Uh, these are, 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 are basically enormous TV screens that do the backdrop for you. Yeah. It's like, Rear projection technology, but in, right, you but know, media, space. right, right there, yeah, basically yeah. LCD, LCD version of rear screen, and yeah, and you're using it to light the stage and stuff too. So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's really, it's really cool stuff. Yeah, and like you were mentioning the Unreal stuff, I think we're going to see more of that too. Where you know you can wear a mocap suit and then instantly be whatever character. So instead of having to send your VFX off, like people can see it there on set while you're working on it. It's uh, it's kind of crazy. On one hand, it's like, you know, you're going to I still think you're always going to have the more indie stuff or the more um, organic where people are actually going to go to location. I don't think that's going away. But the things that you can do with the technology, either to augment some of the stories or um, like some of the effects, like it's going to be pretty insane. And the, the price is dropping like crazy, too. So kind of like cameras were just going down. You're having a lot of the VFX options go crazy. Plus, the price is plummeting, too. It's going to be nuts. OK, how about uh how about drones? About getting the camera around, staying using drones for lighting, for instance. Uh, are, are are we going to be basically mounting uh, our LC our, our uh, high power LEDs on drones and just setting them out in a prefigured uh, in a prefigured manner and shoot from there? I think you can like i'm sure you've seen the helium balloons that you can float up but we're running out of helium um drones are <laughs> drones could definitely be one of the next big things i've seen some fun ones where they've had uh like a bunch basically a bunch of glow sticks on a drone and they had them just circling somebody so you get this cool light effect going around the person's face and uh it, they didn't have to have any helium or put anything on like any sort of rig to spin it and I'm like that's that was pretty cool that's pretty inventive yeah yeah, yeah. i like it um, it's not like too loud for sound, I guess. Yeah, it depends what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what sound we need is like, we need quieter. <laughs> perfect for music videos. <laughs> yeah, perfect for a mu- music video. <laughs> you can sound like a bulldozer, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> so when speaking of that, when uh, we shot this uh, video for my band Vinnersy at the nuke plant up in Satsop, Washington, there are two locations. There's a cooling tower, so it's like you know 500 feet or whatever it was, massive. That parabolic shape, super right. super echoey. So if you like clap, it's like, and you can like hear it go around twice. Uh, a drummer just lifted his leg up and just ripped it, and that fart sounded like it was just all around you i mean it was kind of one of the most hilarious things ever and then the <laughs> reactor room was the same thing and they shot part of transformers 4 there so we we're like well we have to use this spot like this looks cool and the first thing he does when he gets his drum set up is play that phil collin <laughs> and the reverb is so good i was just like oh my god this is hilarious 
leave, leave it leave it to the drummer to test the room acoustics oh, yeah. with a fart, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I didn't get much of an echo off of that one. <laughs> Let me do it again. Go yeah. ahead and do five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you 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 have the DB uh, coming in daintily and going, and and the drummer just comes in and goes, ah, ah, yeah, we're gonna put some soundproofing right over there. <laughs> uh, so, um, any anything else you guys would like to bring up? Look at that; they look like death. I was trying to give space to chat. Uh, Dustin, Vengeance looked great. You guys did a good job. Thanks. Mick, same. Thank you. Yeah. I uh, hope you guys are enjoying the uh, reception of it. And are you guys working on a Blu-ray right now? Yeah, it's yeah. We've been working on behind-the-scenes content and some some other stuff. It's it's kind of hard with everything that's going on now. Yeah. Because um, we found we found some places to do the DVDs, Blu-rays, and stuff. But now that everybody's hold up because of the COVID thing. About what, hard to, what does it cost to, to, you know, per unit? If you, if you do a thousand, what does it cost per unit? To oh, I, up? I, I don't have those numbers up top of my head. Jason's been doing the finance stuff for that. So gotcha. I think we're looking at five grand for our Blu-ray production costs, but I can't remember if that includes um, packaging and everything. Do you know how many you're doing? Uh, I have it written down somewhere. Um, we're going to try to do a little bit of a, we're going to try to get some extras. Cause if we're watching some of the other people that are running theirs, um, you know, they've done several runs, um, which I think is great. Cause you don't want to, we're not trying to make a profit and like I don't right. know how you guys were at on this, but I've, I've sunk so much of my own cash into the movie. Um, you know, we're still getting money coming in, which is super awesome. And it helps. So if you're watching, please donate buy Blu-rays. It helps so much. But uh, you know, I, w- I don't want to speculate because my wife's in the house. But maybe like at least five grand of my own. <laughs> maybe more by the summer time. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. So there's no profit going to be made on this. I'll tell you that. Um, but yeah, the the production costs. It's not horrible. Blu-ray is decent. Blu-ray is the most expensive piece. So DVD is fairly cheap. But we're trying to do we one of our perks and one of the campaigns was a double. So it was a DVD and Blu-ray combo, and I think that kind of hurts because of the packaging right right yeah. yeah see that was one of the things that uh was the joy whenever i worked for adam with uh the hearts of darkness is he's able to do all of that in-house so oh, we didn't have to put uh, oh yeah so there was an unlimited amount so whenever we put up the blu-rays and stuff we didn't have to worry about you know making an x amount of thing because he could just make them all in-house right that's what you that's got great. that point making everything <laughs> <laughs> okay carl how do we get a hold of you I'm on uh, my my website, which is uh, www.hotcarlproductions.com. Just, you know, my name's Carl, not Carl. Yeah. Uh, I'm on on Facebook under Hot Carl Productions. You can look up Jason Rising on Facebook or, uh, you know, Instagram and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, everybody's on there. We're responsive. We we do respond to every communication. Um, Yeah. This is great. Okay. Dustin? Uh, you can find me at www.dustinmontier.com or my Facebook page. And then we've also got like the Friday the 13th Vengeance page that you can follow. And we've also got a group for that. So I'm projecting that uh, Vengeance uh, and, 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 our, and Carl, I'm really sorry. I, I did not uh, 
get in to see uh, uh, Jason Rising yet. Um, that, not out yet, so. Well, <laughs> I'm, glad you, well, I'm glad you said you didn't see it yet. Like, it, liar. <laughs> wow. Wow, you weren't even going to send me a, a, a complimentary or anything. Well, fine. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I'm going to make my mom pay for it. Come on. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <Happy birthday. laughs> yeah, I, I think that, uh, what, we're well over a million a million views on uh, Vengeance now, right? Yeah, combined. Yeah, yeah they, they combined, but but even even on even the, with the yeah the new the one second one almost we're gonna hit it by the end. We'll hit it by the end of the year. I'm quite sure. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure about that. So okay, and um, this is oh look, it's a pepper dog. It's a pepper dog. <laughs> well, it was uh, uh, Carl. It's great meeting you. Pleasure to meet you guys. Uh, I hope yeah. you guys have continued success with Vengeance. Yeah. Do you guys have anything else lined up? Uh, uh, I'm going to be going. Uh, we did up all night uh, with uh, Matt Shaw, and I'll be going to Britain uh, in February, I think. Cool. And I'll be shooting with him some more. Nice. And uh, I, I, TJ and I have a project coming up, um, which is a, a bunch of stories it's uh, called Behind the Screams, and it, they're animated stories from uh, from deep behind the screen, the deep behind the scenes of films, uh, horror films for the most part. And cool. uh, they're a lot of fun, and uh, they're very interesting. And we're going from there. They're right. funny. They're, they're wheeze-inducing. <laughs> they are. They are. They're very good. <laughs> Now's not the time to be wheezing, though.